Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces Podcast, episode 221. How are you guys? This is the first intro, the first time I'm speaking to you as a 37-year-old. I think you'll agree I sound a lot wiser. And that's about it. Um, Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for all the love of the last week or so. I got a lot of lovely birthday messages. Um, Last week's podcast with Chili Gonzalez, a lot of you agreed, is the best Distraction Pieces podcast episode I've ever done. I absolutely adored it. He's just a great dude. And then there was the the bonus birthday party episode, which if you missed, I snuck out on Friday. Um, I had a little birthday party with, with all my celebrity friends and recorded a podcast. But but I also released, as you'll hear on that, and you may have seen online, my birthday. I do a birthday release every year, and this year it was another collaboration with, uh, with the artist Riker, and we made a Scroobius Pip He-Man toy, essentially. We changed it from Masters of the Universe to Master of the Spoken Verse. And uh, it's quite special, but they sold out within an hour or so, so thank you all for for supporting there. What I am here to do now, though, is have a wonderful conversation with Mr. Tony Law, who was kind enough to come to my house, um, and genuinely such a beautiful and engaging and insightful conversation, really heartbreaking at points. I'll, I'll, I'll reflect on one point at the end, because it really was was striking to me, but I won't, don't want to give any spoilers. Before we get there, I'll do two things. I'm going to give you all some Edible Fringe recommendations, including Tony. And I'm going to tell you that this is brought to you by speechdevelopmentrecords.com, where you can go and buy the sunglasses are just about in stock still. Every time I order some, they seem to to sell out in absolutely no time. We've got probably the most offensive bit of merch I've ever done, the Make Pip Wrap Again hats in the style of, obviously, Make America Great Again. So that's completely unacceptable. But yeah, I really appreciate everyone who went there as well. I had a lot of people, I had a lot of sales of all sorts of stuff on my birthday. Because I always kind of say, or birthday aside, if you're a fan of the podcast and you've been listening to them for free for a long time, I don't don't want any donations. That's fine. It's not that. It's free for you. But if you did, did want to contribute at all then the the best way is to go and buy some merch because then you get something i get something it's win-win anyway on with my fringe recommendations first of all of course tony law you'll hear from this podcast it's a really a special show from it's called a lost show it's at at monkey barrel one and it's at 3 p.m every day the 5th till the 12th and then the 14th till the 26th so Check that out. Other ones I would recommend. Brett Goldstein is obviously his his films to be buried with podcast is quite possibly gonna become bigger than distraction pieces, which is quite frustrating because it's part of the network and I'm the boss and I like being the big dog, but it's gone crazy. Everyone is being raved about in The Guardian, in all sorts of magazines and online places. So but Brett has got an amazing show called What is Love, Baby Don't Hurt Me. And it's at the the Pleasance Courtyard every night at seven PM. Honestly, I can't I can't recommend Brett enough. He's one of obviously he's a mate now, but the first times I met him or saw him was just being blown away by his comedy and the way he crafts a show. Speaking of crafted shows, um, Brian Gittins, don't feed the monkey, man. I'm smiling because Brian's shows are a beautiful mess of chaos. 
But again, another guy who I only met because I was a fan and I had seen his show a few times and then I forced him to come on tour with me on my spoken word tour. So yeah, Brian Gittins, Don't Feed the Monkey Man at Heroes at Bateco at 6.40. So yeah, go and check that out. Make note of these. I'm putting these in the intro so you can come back to them easy and not have to hunt through the whole of the podcast. And last but obviously not least is Rob Alton. Any of you who've listened for a long time will know I rave about Rob Alton every year. He's always my fringe highlight. And I'm sure it won't change this year. Rob Alton has a new show called The Talk Show. He's previously done The Hair Show, The Sky Show, just loads of The Yellow Show, just amazing shows. He's on it at 6.10pm at Just The Tonic uh, Caves. So yeah, go and check out Mr. Rob Alton. You will love that. Um, and that's my that's my recommendation. So on with the episode. This is episode 221 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. And my guest today is the amazing Mr. Tony Law. I'll start rolling now in the podcast, <laughs> a, tra- a tradition. Um, I'm joined by Tony Law. How are you today, sir? Yeah, really good, thank you. And um, uh, I just wanted to say thanks for having me on. N- no, I, no I chased you down, didn't I? You did chase me down. I got on, the but old, wonderfully, with I got I got on the old uh, uh, Twitter, on the old Twitter, and because I, I was listening to you, and Adam Buxton came up, and I was mm. going to be seeing Adam the next week. And I don't know, you know what it's like when you're driving. Yeah. I just thought, you know what, I'm going to take things into my own hands. And then I pulled over and I tweeted you right away. Can I come on your show? And you, <laughs> to my surprise, went, yeah. I loved it. Oh, we've, <laughs> I've followed each other f- f- for a while on social media. And it's genuine. It's like whenever I get people t- to request guests, I'm always like, if you can, yeah. tag them in some way. Because they assume I've got some big contact book. Or oh, right. it's like, I don't. If, if, there's, if there's a way of going, I'd like to hear you on here and then I can respond and say I'd like that too then that yeah. introduction is made so oh, see, okay. it helps when these things happen oh no that's it's been good for me because I'm I'm trying to you know I'm sort of relaunching in a way I'm trying to salvage what uh salvage a career now yeah so I need to and I'm going back up to Edinburgh Fringe so I'm trying to do whatever I can to as get, much as you can to get, get a nice crowd in because I've got I'm I'm sort of pushing a rock I've been pushing a rock up the hill because I like I like I'm not I'm not new yeah, uh, uh, I'm not purposely a cult comedian. Yeah, that, that's because of all the bridges I burnt due to right. my alcoholism and right. my yeah, drug sure. problems. And so, so I'm not new. I've got still got a foreign accent, and uh, uh, and I'm actually getting pretty old now too. So there's nothing to really sell other than the fact that I'm three years sober. I'm actually really good at it now. Yeah, which seems a shame because I had like a modicum of success when when uh before i really got out of control and then when i got out so basically if it wasn't for the kindness of people uh mainly performers and that yeah. like supporting me because they could see they, they got a chance to see me say like uh four or five times so they could see two where i was just a mess and then three when i was really good so they you know but right to, yeah and, so there's all and, these bridges that burn. and again it's a tough one because your style of comedy i've I've caught you once or twice, but a while back, and it's it's all quite surreal, and it's quite scattergun, and a lot of it can be quite um, a lot of audience 
participation and things like yeah. that. So the problem with that is you can kid yourself that because there's a lot of, of improvisation that you can just turn up and do it. As weird as that sounds, you can kid yourself that that's all you need. Whereas even if it's improvised, you need to be in the right headspace, right? And it all hangs off of, you know, tightly scripted things that, yeah, that have to happen. And yeah, but um, I think what I've learned in the last year of like, so I've, I've sort of got used to sobriety in the last years. I've learned that, uh, that I was probably when I, uh, making things deliberately obtuse. I don't yeah. know if that's the right word, yeah, but I, was, yeah, yeah. I sort of because then that would that would um, save me from failing. Yeah, yeah. Or, and um, uh, so then o- only the people who really got it would get it. <laughs> but actually, now that I'm sort of seeing the world clearly, I quite like. I want everyone to just have a laugh and uh, just be plain funny. It's such a weird one in in music and in comedy and everywhere. There will be an element even. From a fan's perspective, of wanting things to be small and underground. But I remember I'd, I'd, years ago, I was talking to Saul Williams, who's one of my favourite musicians and spoken word artists and rappers, and he blew me away. I kind of looked up to him, and I was one of those kids who was like, "Yeah, I'm all about being underground. I want, I'm yeah. the underground. I'm this and that." And he kind of just said, "Look, I've no loyalty to the underground. I, 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 if if you're proud of what you're doing, you want as many people to hear yeah. it as possible." He's like, "I exist on the underground, and I'm grateful." For for, for, for the underground, but yeah. I want it to be out there as much as possible. Well, you know, you know what did it for me was um, like uh, 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 because I was sort of um, you know, like near the end, burning a few bridges. Like I, I actually was telling myself all these things when I was really out of control. Like, oh, I'm not getting back on TV right now because I've got a Canadian accent, or mm. or I'm not flavor of the month because blah blah blah. And then, but now from uh, uh, clear looking back, I'm just going, no, it's because you were unreliable. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know. And yeah. uh, and so there's going to be a time lag where where people go, oh yeah, is he? Oh, he's sober three years, but you know, so you've got to convince people, and also there's so many people who have invested in you that you need to sort of repay. Like Noel Fielding's always been a good supporter, and Adam yeah. Bucks, and all those guys. But I I think the uh, doing a tour show because that's my favorite thing in the world is to tour. Yeah. Uh, just I remember thinking to myself, these are just these are people. There's like a family. I get a lot of families now. Whereas the young ki- the parents bring the kids that are becoming young adults, and I was just looking across this really varied group of people. And I thought they don't think that I'm underground or or, or yeah. niche. They just think I'm what they like to laugh at. Yeah, yeah, so I yeah. Thought, oh yeah. shit! So maybe there's loads more of them out there. Yeah. So I just need to find to find them. Uh, do, do, do you think the the kind of perception of the more left field and surreal style of comedy do you think that led or or supported a life of addiction because because i mean let's talk about that because because again you watch someone like i remember seeing noel fielding for for the first time just before bush blew up and i'm not cool and credible he was on a lineup with coogan and all these amazing people i'd never heard of him and he just blew me away because he was so crazy and all over the place but then if you look back now he must have either had a good business head on him or had good people around him because yeah. the Bush stuff was incredibly organised. Yeah. Buzzcocks. To, I mean, he's doing b- well, b- Bake Off now, for God's sake. That's yeah, not yeah. the scattergun crazy. So it was kind of having that control to turn on that crazy yeah. insanity go all, all over the place surrealness. But if you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, you might just think, well, I just need to live the, the, that as a life, yeah. which might not turn into a... 
uh, a sustainable career. Yeah, I think uh, you know because I m- mine uh, was was when I, like as a farm boy in Canada when I first first laid eyes on um, Monty Python. Yeah, when I was fifteen, that that just was it was like a religious experiment experience, and it was uh, emotional for me. Like I, I remember weeping. I was yeah. laughing. And Amazing. weeping as a 15-year-old going, I yeah. can't believe there's something like this that exists. And so I've always been sort of pursuing that kind of crazy yeah. thing. And then, but I didn't really know how to go about it, you know, like a lot of farm kids or people from the middle of nowhere yeah. do. So, so then I end up on the stand-up circuit and, I, and I'm failing at stand-up because I'm not, you know, I'm doing it wrong. Like really brilliant observational comedians, uh, when you're on a bill with them, you look shit. Yeah, but there's yeah, something yeah. inside of you that goes, no, I think I'm good. Yeah, and you keep going, keep going, and then you, you so you grab onto a Noel Fielding or you grab onto a Ross Noble and go, yeah. oh, they're doing it somehow. Completely. And uh, yeah, and I, I, I think that the the alcoholism and all that, I think that comes anyway with whatever yeah. low self esteem you have. And yeah, yeah. For yeah. me, it actually blew up the most when I was starting to get, and it looked like I was heading for success. Yeah. And there was like an implosion, like I didn't feel like I deserved it, or like a fraud right. sort of thing. This is only looking back. Yeah, yeah, And this yeah. is only after like, you know, reading a bit about therapy. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that it was like an implosion, like I thought, you know, like a fear of success, which sounds yeah. pretty wanky, but uh, I think that's what it might it's have natural, been. It's natural, it's scary, because you kind of strive towards success, because you're like, I, I want to do that, I want to be part of this. Again, you see a Noel Fielding or, or, or a Ross Noble or whoever and go... That's what I want to do. But there's not... It's comedy and music and all that kind of thing are the areas that they don't touch upon at all in school or anything like that. So you yeah. never have any kind of formal education on how it all works. So you strive for that. Yeah. And then when it starts to, to happen, it naturally can feel overwhelming. Or you can feel, actually, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't want anyone to know I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm yeah. going to kind of... Well, all my, all my heroes, like, because uh, I wasn't one of those people who just, just like comedy. My heroes are mainly music as a teen. Yeah. That's why I kind of moved to, it was exactly why I moved to England. When I was a teenager on the tractor and stuff, all the music I listened to is English. And yeah. so I just dreamt of going, to, I'm going to go to England, man. I'll show everybody. And I'm going to be yeah. in a band. I think I might have been picking the wrong heroes. So I was, you know, I was like Keith Moon, of course. And, yeah. And all the right. And actually, as you get older and sober, you think, no, no, Roger Daltrey's a really good example of yeah. how to stay sober, be a family man, keep yeah. your shit together and drive that train. I think yeah, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. guy. That's the guy you want to. You should uh, focus on. Yeah. Keith Moon's dead. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and yeah. looking at the ones who held it together. Yeah. So, so what was it like growing up in Canada on a farm, kind of secluded from all the culture that you're, I'd imagine, yeah. dying to immerse yourself in. Yeah, just a, a, a cultural wasteland, of course. Probably idyllic. Probably most people just think I'm mad. Yeah. I just I was always wanting something else, something else. It's great if that's the sort of way you worked and you want to uh, do be a farmer or work in the, you know. Uh, I was just, I was pretty shit at everything. And yeah. so I needed to, so it's just music and you know, and everything else has just been this uh, curiosity and learning and, you know, like even to the point where I sometimes try and look at my shows, solo shows as, as being like kind of a painting. So I want like uh, people that, like so many people do really good storytelling and, yeah. and other people do really good tight routines. I try yeah. and do something that's where it's like uh, a feeling you have at the end of it. Yeah. And then people can discuss what it meant because yeah. I know what I mean. And so like this new show, I have a thread throughout it that. 
Um, it's kind of about rebirth, and it's a, and it's a, it's a little bit about uh, being overwhelmed and and about light bulbs coming on. Yeah. So there's loads of imagery in it, and I'm just hoping that at the end of it, people go, "Oh yeah, I think it might have been about that." It might have been, but overall, That's you beautiful. want people to walk out and go, "Fuck, that was funny," and I feel I feel really good about stuff now. Yeah. That's the feeling, rather than. Yeah, I want to make it really hard for journalists to write about it. That's great because that's it's it's something that's escaped from so many art forms now. I think we forget with TV and film and comedy that art isn't always about having it all explained and 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 tied up in a nice bow at the end. If you go to a gallery, yeah. you look at a painting and you like it, you might not understand it yet, but you're like, I like yeah. that. And then over time, you might understand it more. You might read a bit about yeah. how it was created or the time or, or what the meanings were. That can all, all, all come later. But art, I'm not saying all art should be confusing and obscure, but no. that's comedy is art and film is art. And all yeah. of those things now, we seem to have gone, Well, not to pick a, a cliche, but here's the story of my relationship with my father. And this is my Edinburgh Fringe show. Yeah. There's a beginning, a middle and an end. It makes, yeah. makes sense. So. Yeah. There is something in there, that. In there's going, room for it, for yeah, sure. Yeah, completely, completely. And then, and then, and then, um, then other people might be getting out a similar story in a in a in a different way. Yeah. But it, it it's like when I, I went to you know because I, I love I love the fact that I'm a farm boy. Like I like my working class roots. Yeah. But I also I also love that I've I'm slowly attempting to turn into a snob. Yeah. And I love going. And I went to the Picasso uh, exhibition. Yeah. I just love being me in there. That's yeah. the beauty of sobriety. It's going. Yeah really enjoying being this guy looking at this trying to figure it out yeah. and what i really loved is you know then they show something where he can paint really well like in a traditional uh portrait style yeah. and you look at that and you go oh so that's the key he can do that yeah but he chooses to do this bonkers completely stuff. <laughs> and again again it's it's the approach of, of looking at art i'm i'm a fan of a lot of art that's that's hyper real and things like that i've got a, a painting behind you now by a guy called joe simpson which it's, it looks like a photo but it wasn't un- until i started to go to art exhibitions with my b- brother he was kind of saying the art that he likes is the opposite of that because we now have photography yeah so photography can capture realism we've got that i don't need painting to be a version of photography i want painting to be yeah. painting i want painting to capture what a photo can't and that's where picasso and things like that come in you couldn't take a picture of that because it's yeah. not something that exists in the real world and yeah. it's where it's also where people like yourself and no no field and ross noble started to appeal to me in comedy because it wasn't the comedy i'd grown up on was quite observational at points here's stuff that you can relate to the first time i saw no field i was like i can't relate to that at all he's <laughs> talking about hunting a unicorn in the desert, and it turns yeah. out to be a horse that's I in an ice admit, cream jacket. Uh, he's and, further out there than me. <laughs> yeah, again, and, and 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 things like that, though. And that suddenly became the appeal. It's like, right, that that comedy isn't relatable, but that's but that's what appeals but, but, about but, it. But, but when you know what I mean? yeah, when I, and then yeah, it's, I, I think what I try and do sometimes is is to make something be someone to feel really familiar about something and really laugh mm. at it. And at the end of it, going, how how is that possible that I feel? Yeah, <clears throat> I feel like I can relate to it. Yeah, and I think the danger could be like, and I'm so lucky that I've had like a, a built up a small fan base that sort of stuck with me. And, yeah, uh, 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 and you know, like instead of deliberate, like I was doing tours to the fan base, or if I knew Adam Buxton was in, for example, yeah. I would deliberately do 
if the joke came to two different branches, I would go the one last travel to entertain just Adam yeah, Buxton. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then I was starting to do that to my audience too. And now I'm actually trying to choose a middle branch that isn't there yet. But yeah. I can't remember what I was talking about. But it's all, <laughs> it's all uh, trying to be funnier to more uh, people. Like it, and, and, and also, like I, I can do observational stuff. Yeah. But I don't think that I can do it as good as Michael McIntyre can yeah, do it. Yeah, sure. And uh, but and I think he's great at it. But I think lots of people in their groups of friends can do it yeah. as well. So I think it's maybe trying to trying to be that uh, friend to people that, that yeah. uh, is just is that little extra bit. Yeah, and it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 finding the balance there. It's something I talked about with Kate Nash on a recent podcast. Was the fact that. It's a really important breakthrough when you realise that you're there to entertain the crowd. Um, and as long as you've created your art purely, on the night, it should be about entertaining the crowd. It shouldn't be yeah. about going, oh, look at how clever I am, or look at how obscure I am. So wanting to find that balance in between um, playing to the niche comedians, yeah. being the comedian's favourite comedian, and playing to a broader one is a positive thing. It's not saying that I'm going to go all the way over... And try and do what Michael McIntyre did. Yeah, that, that, that does again. He's someone that gets a lot of hate from yeah, I don't, alternative crowds, but I, I don't, he's really I don't. good at what he does. Yeah, he's, he's, and he's, he's he's got funny bones. Yeah, my favorite of uh, was like how Sean Locke made the move, and I can I can remember yeah. that exactly when he uh, he's because I knew some of the guys that were working with him at the time. Yeah. It was like he just said, you know what, I'm sick of being the guy who gets laughs from the people at the back of the room. Yeah, and from what I observed, all he see. His material was exactly the same. He just started wearing a suit. Yeah. Like, it didn't seem any different as to me. As simple as that, yeah. And, and oh, I think it was an attitude shift. Yeah. And and he sort of took his his uh, ambition out of the gutter, kind of. Yeah. And that was what it was. And so I'm trying to make that same sort of change. Not to become, like, as big as Sean Locke, but to, to I need to get my audience big enough to sustain the thing that I love doing more in the world than anything, yeah. which is which is getting in a car, putting on some podcasts, driving four hours while talking to myself, just getting all this stuff out, yeah. arriving at a place with a, a, a sound technician that I know from before, catching up with him, setting it up, putting up, and then him going, oh, I can't believe you're doing that this year. Really? You need a giant beach ball? you know? And then <laughs> doing a show, entertaining these people like friends, talking to them afterwards, and then driving home on cloud nine. Yeah. That's, I, that's my dream. Yeah. And so I can do that, but only for s smaller portions of the year. So yeah. I just need to make that. Uh, now that I know what the dream is, I'm chasing it. <laughs> it's, it's getting that focus on it. So what yeah. was the dream when you made a huge move of moving from a farm in Canada to, it was uh, like, to London? How old were you at that point? Uh, 19. 19. Yeah. So that's pretty much as early as you could have realistically yeah, yeah, made the yeah. move, right? I would have gone earlier, and I, I think the alarm bell should have been ringing then, but I lost my license to drunk driving. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. So, and I was working on an oil field. Uh, I was doing all those sorts of jobs, and yeah. I'm just hating it because uh, it's always getting, uh, you know, I was always just a moron at it. Yeah. And, uh, but, yes, yeah, just saving money. I No idea. Like, no focus. No idea. Yeah. No education. No just... Just knew I'm going to England, going to England. Yeah. Going to go over there. And and it was like, an, uh, I'm try I sort of talk about it in my new set, but I, I was trying to sum up what the attitude is of the English that I really loved. Yeah. Growing up. And it was, and the only way I can sum it up is fuck off. 
Yeah, yeah was that's yeah. it. And that that I just yeah. wanted. I didn't know what it was. Yeah, but there was something about this attitude that was like people going proud of who they are. Yeah, this yeah. conformity thing. Uh, I really, really wasn't getting that where I was from. Yeah. Fuck off, mate. Yeah, and that, and I wanted a bit of that. <laughs> it's the British almost. <laughs> illogical and against all wills uh, pride of who they are yeah even if we're in a bad place it's yeah. like we're fucking british though and it's I, like I, britain's a mess at the moment <laughs> yeah but it's our mess yeah. like, well there's something dude. about that there's <laughs> something about taking these two stones and smashing them together and then you know a new bit flies off yeah you know you've all, you've wrecked the rocks <laughs> yeah but yeah, you've yeah. got a nice new rock yeah so you never know like I, there's bad to that too but i so that was basically it i had no plan and then and then I had this parallel thing running in parallel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was uh, I was really into history, and yeah. um, and uh, so so you know, like I needed to get closer to the history I was into. I was into Anglo-Saxons and Vikings. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know all that classic. Yeah. And I then I got a job uh, working as a tour guide, tour operator around right. Europe. Oh wow! Which I, in those days you could lie about your education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that, so my <laughs> my uh, my degree was still in the post. Particularly if you come. Years. From a long way away yeah, as well. Yeah. It's easy to... And they never worked out that I was far too young to have graduated from the University of Calgary. Brilliant, but I looked brilliant. old yeah. from the drinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah and I, but I was very good with the blag. So I went around uh, Europe on coaches standing up at the front. Yeah. Just, you know, knowing mostly what I was talking about, but also riffing a lot. Yeah. They gave me the Korean tours. Amazing. And um, so there was always a bit of thinking time because by time the translator had finished saying what i just said i've already thought of my next line yeah yeah and they used to ask so many questions and i painfully polite like i just wouldn't do anything like i would do anything they wanted you know they, but they would ask questions about everything like just a random fountain on yeah. the edge of a random old town and i would just have to riff it and i'd be <laughs> like uh, oh you know and i'd just been reading about carlos the jackal so i, yeah. I said that was called miss me fountains Bing long how that's pretty racist, but you get the idea. <laughs> uh, Miss Me Fountain, Charles de Gaulle, yeah, and then uh, so, yeah, so that was good. At Amazing, Griffin. and Amazing. they they used to say on uh, the Korean tours like to instill discipline in your coach trips that you you, you leave if if not everyone is back to your coach you leave anyway and yeah. they have to find their way to the next i couldn't do that yeah so we were hours late for things turning up like really late at night oh, really? so just wait for the guys to get back pretty soon they realized that they could all be late so if i said yeah. one o'clock they would all just come whenever that stroll back yeah but they they seem to have a good time that's a long time ago i love that so, so did that kind of work as early kind of prep for stand-up because it is it's getting up in front of a crowd it's it's thinking on your feet yeah it's it's having a set routine and again on the tours i've done of that kind of thing the best ones are when the person the guide is having a bit of a laugh giving a bit of yeah. of material in there and things like that and you hear of a lot of comedians who start off on that as that kind yeah. of route of going well i'm making people laugh it's tourists yeah so it's not necessarily your refined comedy audience but yeah. it's that experience and and, and well, setting was, that ground i think it was like a series of one thing leads to the next i think it, it 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 uh i have memories of it starting out or how great it felt inside of the bottom of my stomach when i could make my parents laugh yeah and then my sister was a great laugher yeah and having her just laughing at me my whole life growing up just encouraged me and it just replaces all your self-esteem if you've got issues with whatever issues you got if you're getting laughs from friends or whatever yeah but then, you know, that can 
be the only thing you are. Yeah. And so you, you get you churn through groups of friends because they realize that this guy's here to just just do laughs. Yeah, yeah. And then just, you combine that with the drinking. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you end up with a group of friends in Austria when you live there for a year. Yeah. And for about nine months, they think you're the greatest guy ever. And then at the end of the nine months, they think, this is all this guy is. Yeah. <laughs> you go, take your booze. Yeah. And move on. <laughs> yeah. Take your booze and move on. It's a mad one then to be in kind of the, the, tra- the, the traveling, you know, l- local entertainment as, as such. Yeah, the, the, the exciting drunk guy that comes and, and, and <laughs> yeah. lights us all up. but And cries himself to sleep. <laughs> but that's it. But those things always do have a limit. It, yeah. Again, it's that thing of you look at it, you look at that character in a movie, you know, that's the coolest guy in the world. Yeah. But, but you're not seeing six months down the line where he's still pouring a beer on his head or or pouring a beer over his mates yeah. as a joke and they're getting to the point of it's not funny anymore yeah. man can you can you Just relax always riffing always riffing uh, but um, um yeah i've never done uh weirdly i've never done banter yeah so every, everything's been uh i've always enjoyed surprising people with surrealism i tell you what the, but sobriety that first year of sobriety i thought this is terrible i don't know why people are banging on about it but actually the last two years i've realized it's way easier, like going yeah. on stage now. It's, I can't believe all the extra tools you have yeah. at your disposal. You can be so much more loose. You, like it's the the worlds you can paint are just yeah. way way better. I sometimes people get that wrong idea. They go, "No, how did you find it when you stopped drinking? Did you find you lost anything?" And then, well, no, because <laughs> drinking lost me any opportunities I yeah. ever had. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That was you know. It, it's the difference between being like funny 40% of the time yeah. and being funny all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a fascinating one because w- w- when uh, – do you think that the drinking – I guess if you already had it in Canada, I was going to say, do you think drinking was in way a crutch for being in a scary situation? You've You've traveled halfway around the world and you're on your own and you're trying to make new friends. I know that when – I gig doing music for about 10 years and for at least seven of them, I'd drink every gig and have a good old drink. And then I started a tour after about, yeah, around the seventh year. And I'd just come off of, of having tonsillitis. So I couldn't drink. And I did those gigs and I suddenly like, Oh wait, I'm, I'm much better (laughs) sober. I was, I was drinking originally to give me the confidence to to get me up there and get me going. But I'd got to the point, I've been doing this seven years now. I know how to do it and I'm quite good at it. So I don't need that drink to get me over the, the the finishing line anymore. So I then didn't drink for any shows after that because I realized, yeah, I'm that much more lucid. I'm that much more in control. Whereas before I was, I was autopiloting through and it was working and good because I'm so used to it. But, having that slight more awareness yeah. was a massive boost. Oh, yeah, no, completely. And you don't, I, like, I didn't see it at the time. I remember I caught myself on a on an old, have I got news for for you? Yeah. And my memory of it was that, uh, was like this weird, crazy pride. Like, I'd been up five days. I didn't say this to anyone. This is yeah. in my head. I'd been up five days, you know, because I, I, I hated the what was doing and going through. Anyway, but... Um, but my thing at the end of it was at least I was still doing good gigs and at least I was yeah. pulling out, pulling it out. But I saw myself on it and I thought, okay, in one way it was heroic considering what I put myself through to get there. Yeah. 
But then in another way, I was looking at it and going, no, nah, there's so much potential to have been way funnier. Right. I've really done, been special. Yeah. But instead, I was just a kind of a rogue guy on the end of the panel. Yeah. You know, a little bit funny, pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. But nowhere, you know, you just see all the wasted chances. That's the kind of difference now, I guess. Yeah. To, uh, to have that hyper awareness of yeah. that's what I could have done yeah. in that situation. So, uh, when did you find yourself like you came over and you were you are you all over? You, yeah, you, just you're travel. Right. First, and then you you settled in London in the end, or was it? Yeah, yeah. Then I because uh, uh, I was just using the, uh, this these travel companies as living in Europe a little bit. Mm. Yeah, and then I settled down when I started working in bars uh, yeah. uh, uh, in the nineties. Well, I say settled. I mean, uh, I discovered dance music and what everyone in, from English people from the 90s were doing. Yeah. That yeah. was new to me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd never yeah. even. So I did that for a little while yeah. too long and then uh, then started comedy. And, and uh, uh, so I think properly settled would be very late 90s. Yeah. And how was it kind of entering in, into the, the, the comedy scene at that point? You would have had you kind of Newman and Badil and that kind of thing blowing up stand up in the UK. Um, I didn't notice any of that. Yeah. I was very untapped into any media and like, um, I remember I struggled to get a TV for a while. I think what, what pushed me back into comedy was watching the day to day on VHS yeah, tape yeah. and going, Oh yeah. Comedy's really, really good. Yeah. Then I met Stuart Lee and he yeah. quite liked me and that was encouraging. Yeah. And he sort of taught me about work ethic and stuff like because I had no idea like like I think people have been to college and university and stuff or that's a, the real advantage for them is they know how to sit down with a notepad or a typewriter and they know how to apply it. Yeah. Whereas all I was doing was sort of like turning up it's and having a riff completely and you realize <laughs> like people at points will say oh, 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 this course at university is pointless to do because it does but the fact is and I dropped out of university, so I'm not an example of this, but anything at university is showing that you can start something hard and complete it. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the key thing as a as a life skill, because it's not start something hard that takes a month and complete. It's start something that takes three years at yeah. least to get from beginning to end and come yeah. out the other end of it. And that's yeah. that's a huge thing for work. Well, and Stuart Lee's a prime example of someone who's He's got the best work ethic. The way he'll structure his shows yeah. and, and and he'll do. I've seen him do a, m- a month or two of works in, of work in progress, yeah. just going through and well, really beating out this show until it's ready to then. Well, I've fum- I've fumbled bit. around through the two thousands, like doing club gigs and then dabbling with Edinburgh Fringe when I discovered that, and yeah. you know, it's kind of. Pretty much failing, but bumbling it on, you know, having to pay the rent, so doing the jonglers gigs, but always being put on in the middle, and yeah, and then I, um, then I, I'd been friends with Stuart for a long time, and I, I said, I asked, I asked him, can I just open for you on a tour? Yeah, I need a break, you know, I just need yeah. some consistent gigs to nice people, and I went on tour with him, and that was a real, real great change because then I, I watched, we had this uh, very specific pattern every day. We go see something historical. Then we go eat lunch, and then and then and then I'd read some books, and then Amazing. I'd write, and then so ever since then, that's kind of what I try and do: is yeah, look really at something, system. read something, do something. And how was that? To because again, p- p- people have not b- been to both might not realise, but doing things like a jungler's gig and then doing s- a support on a Stuart Lee tour, 
it's a world of difference because oh, the audience yeah. is completely different. And Stuart uh, used to have a bit where he'd do a joke and then explain that if you're not laughing, you're wrong because he knows comedy better than you because he's been to... And oh, yeah. it is that kind of thing. If, if you're going to a Stuart Lee gig, you're a fan of comedy. So you are yeah. going to have that bit more of an educated ear. If you go into a Junglers, which again are great, it's generally people are like, let's have a few beers and watch and watch something funny. You're not there for anyone in particular. You might yeah. not have a favourite comedian. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Things like, he's like, oh, I love a bit of comedy. Yeah. It's, but it's not refined enough to be, I like this style or this style. Yeah. Whereas, uh, again, a tour show, you're a fan of comedy. You're, you've got favourite comedians. You, yeah. you go out for specific people rather than, it's Friday, should we go and watch some comedy <laughs> yeah. and see what's on? It's like, it's weird because you wouldn't particularly do that with, well, I guess people do with music. Again, I guess that's, well, that's the it, equivalent then. Well, it's the equivalent of going to see a band who are on tour because you're into them and going, should we go down to the pub? There's some live yeah. music on. And I think, you know, and then... That's uh, the crowds. Yeah, because when you're doing that, what, what a sensible act would do is hone his set for that. Yeah. And make sure he could maximize the results he was getting in those places. And uh, what the only thing I did to try and change it around, because I knew I had to do them, was I, I wasn't able to do that. Because if I tried to do that... I was just a half-assed hack who didn't... I was just someone who didn't believe in what he's doing. Yeah. So I thought I would just do more of me and louder. Right. And yeah. then and, and and do a little bit of uh, bringing people along, but try and yeah. give them way more signals at the beginning that it's okay to laugh at this. It's meant to be like this. Yeah, yeah. It's meant to be. But what I found from that is it didn't necessarily mean that those types of gigs went any better for me. Right. But I did bring along with me some fans. Because yeah. I get to chat with them after the shows. And yeah. Like, and they usually say, "Oh, I'm, uh, I'm only the second time I've seen you. I came to you through this, or yeah. And uh, uh, where, uh, where did you come to find out about me? And uh, uh, I saw you at, uh, you know, just the tonic. Yeah. He goes, yeah. Everybody hated you, but I thought you were awesome. And I thought, oh, that's great. So I'm sort of going around picking yeah, them up <laughs> and finding them. And yeah. again, I mean, that's a, a, a real a realization as well, and an important one for anyone who's starting out. Just remembering that." Every gig's important, regardless of what the crowd is or how big the crowd is. You could get that one person who yeah. then sticks with you. And it might not even be obvious on the night. I've yeah. had gigs before that I thought have gone awful because the, the crowd are so quiet. And then afterwards, I've had the most messages from people saying, that's one of the best gigs I've seen. And in my mind, I'm like, well, well why didn't you show that? I, <laughs> I, I literally, I got nothing. Yeah. But again, it's what counts. It's how different people react. I'm not someone who goes to a gig... And, and jumps about anymore. No. I'm someone who stands back and enjoys it. Yeah. So for me to get annoyed yeah. that I didn't get that feeling, it's like they were st- all acting like I act at a gig. Yeah. They were going, this is really good. And it all depends on the <laughs> mood know? too, doesn't it? Like yeah. some, sometimes I'm in a real laughing mood and I just really go for it. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. I'm, I, I can spot when someone's just awesome and I really love them, but yeah. I'm just not in the laughing mood. But yeah. you've got that appreciation. Yeah. You've got that. Wow, this guy's this guy's k- killing it. Yeah. So the, the it's uh, I just you know the idea. I think like then the more people you get to come to your shows, I, it's just all uh, catch twenty two, isn't it? Yeah. It's all sods law or whatever it is. Yeah, it's yeah. The more people you get, and the more times you've been on TV, the more times when you've had a run on TV, people give you five minutes. Yeah. More. Yeah, and it's yeah, e- yeah, yeah, it becomes yeah, yeah. easier. It's when, yeah. it's when you haven't been on TV or something like that, it's harder to bring the new ones along. But then the ones that are already fans, uh, you know, there's a there's a deeper level yeah. of something. Yeah. yeah. Still haven't developed a vocabulary for all of it. 
<laughs> so how was it uh, when you started to get that fan base and started to get panel show slots and and stuff like that? Was that that was motivating, that- scary, intimidating? No, I loved it. Like yeah. I, I was over the moon. I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah. And uh, and at at first, my persona on stage and my persona in a panel show was the same. Right. There was, you know, and I was, I loved it. The idea that you could go get paid some money to sit in front of a whole bunch of people, bring in your coffees or whatever drink you wanted, and looking after you and a car takes you there. It was like, I was over, I was in heaven. Yeah. Big lights on you. So I really thrived in those. But unfortunately, that sort of coincided with the whole everything. The booze and that all just started yeah. to peak. In some ways, cocaine brought forward the alcoholism. Right. Because it probably could have lumbered on for another 20 years. Yeah, but instead, yeah, yeah. it just brought it forward and intensified yeah. it. So it had to stop. Yeah. <laughs> so I was doing it secretly. And what I've learned, and I, you know, I'm no therapist, but what I've learned is that uh, cocaine will not... Uh, work if you're looking for a way to sober up. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it actually yeah, yeah, has yeah, a yeah. detrimental effect. <laughs> and, and I was doing it secretly, you know, like just like yeah. not in a party way. Yeah, I used to be like anti-party guy, and, but uh, I was doing it all on my own to kind of level the booze out. Yeah, and that's that's when it's you know undeniably a problem is <laughs> is when I've known people who are doing it when they they get home rather than on their way out. It's like, that's where you've got it backwards. That's yeah. where it's like, right, this is addiction now. Um, I'm not a cocaine guy, but I can kind of understand it if you're like, yeah, we're going out and doing this. I want to feel a certain way. Then I can kind of go, all right, well, it's not for me, but you, you're you a grown-up. It's your choice. Yeah. You do that. But the bit where, again, all that that logic goes out the window is when you are doing it secretly, you are doing it at yeah. the end of the night, or well, you are doing you, it yeah, to balance if out. If you're doing a thing that you don't like... Like, you don't like the idea of yeah. doing it. Like, it doesn't suit you to say, oh, I don't like that lifestyle. I wouldn't want, I don't want to be someone who does that. Yeah. But I'm going to, I need to do that. Yeah. That's, a, that's bad a problem, scene. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's, that's just a, a, a terrific relief. Yeah. You know, that's all. So, so in that way, uh, if, if you can even say that, it, it helped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, so what was the moment you kind of realized? that the alcohol was a problem. So kind of the cocaine sped up or, or brought it all to a head. Yeah. So what was that kind of point? Like, was there a period where you were like, this all works great. This balances oh, yeah. out. I'm there drinking. Was, the, yeah, yeah. there was the, a window. The, oh, the yeah. coke levels it out. I'm a, I've, I've found my perfect <laughs> yeah, balance. There was, there was a, yeah, there was a, when I was getting too sloppy drunk and then I sort of, there was like a, I discovered, or not discovered, I... I thought, oh yeah, I could try that. Yeah, uh, when I was getting too sloppy. Yeah, there was a window of six months where I was, uh, I felt like I was just bulletproof. Yeah, and everything was working fine. Because again, it might if, not have been. Yeah, but it felt like it was. But if you've got to the point where you feel, as you said, the drinking is making you too sloppy, if you find something that just takes the edge off that and sharpens you up a bit, then as you said, it kind of allows you to keep going at that yeah, at that like, stage. You see that film with Denzel Washington, who's a pilot. Yes, yes, it's, yes, yes. It, that was the the best description I've seen of it. It's like going, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see. It. But oh, it's brilliant. Yeah. And I'm not a fan of that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, there was a window where I thought, oh, yeah, you've nailed it. And then, yeah. and then of course, your soul falls out of the yeah. bottom of your car. Yeah. Um, yeah, in hindsight, you can go, God, what a terrible bunch of decisions. Yeah. <laughs> 
And uh, the whole time would have been much better if I just didn't bother with any of it. Yeah. Uh, but it, it was too ingrained in me, the drinking and all that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've had uh, moments where I thought I shouldn't drink since I was 16. Yeah. You know, every couple of years or sometimes every few months going, oh. And then, you know, you find a way to to get yeah. past that and bury it. And do you feel there was a pressure of it, it had become part of how people know you or who people know you to be? That you are kind of a big drinker and, and the party guy, yeah. and then you've got that pressure to be that guy. Even if you're thinking, I kind of want to stop this, but Maybe. I've got my audience as such, even if it is yeah. just friends, other comedians, or that kind of thing. It's like, oh no, we need to be. Not really. I was kind of <clears throat> lucky enough that uh, being in an industry where uh, being sober was kind of the de rigueur. Yeah, yeah. You know, like a David O'Doherty and, and, uh, and all that lot, and, and Daniel Kitson and yeah. all those guys yeah, were yeah. like, sober is cool. Yeah, and uh, and uh, those are my friends. Yeah, and I this is the worst. I remember not being able. So I remember being in Melbourne, and every time I traveled, I, the drinking was really way worse. So like, right, uh, Australia, nothing but bad times out there due yeah. to my drinking. As soon as you get traveling, yeah. I don't know what it is, but um, I remember like seeing those guys, a whole group of friends hanging out, and I remember being sort of ashamed that I was so heavily drinking that yeah. I would, yeah. I would take corners to avoid them because i wow. didn't want them to see me drunk yeah yeah and, um but you find out other drunks yeah you know or, or people that aren't drunks but are just having a lot of drinks at that time because you're in melbourne i was yeah. hanging out with uh sean Locke and Stuart lee and 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 uh mike wilmot yeah those the older guys because yeah. they were having a few beers but they were having a few beers and then stopping yeah and i was just finding anybody was having beers but yeah, I remember Move that from very group to group of yeah. having their few beers and yeah. I remember very the- specifically not being able to look David O'Doherty in the eye. Right. And nothing, you know, he must have thought I was just such a rude person, but it was mainly I uh, felt ashamed of myself. Wow. Yeah, it's a long self-loathing yeah. period, isn't it? But I don't want to I didn't come on to do the Tony Law whining hour. Uh, but I said, so, <laughs> uh, so how was it when you realized that it was an issue and what kind of prompted you to 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 call it a day to to get clean. Uh yeah, it was just it been constantly bugging me, constantly bugging me. Um and that's of course that's why people continue to drink, isn't it? Because you can't yeah. stand the fact that that uh so you drink and then you then you put put away the idea Forget of stopping. About it, yeah. Uh just, you know, your classic looking at your family. Right. And stuff cuz you can think that you, hide, you keep things away from people, yeah. but of course you can't because you're going to be hung over or, yeah. or you know, you, you know, even if you don't fall into movie traps, you, you can't basically, yeah. your character is de- shredded. And so it's mainly just that, just thinking, holy crap. Yeah. And also, you know, from pure selfish, pure, pure, pure uh, selfishness was uh, thinking, I'm not being the best I can be yeah. at comedy. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm just getting away with it. And I, and I can't stand the thought of, um, of not of, of people who've not seeing me be actually good. Yeah. Like even people who thought I was good. Yeah. Thinking, yeah. Oh no, I'm not being, I'm better than that. Yeah. I can, yeah. I can, I can do better than that. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's a tough one when, cause you've got a child. Have you got two, two, two um, and it's it is a weird one because again a lot of people will have and again I'm we're here now in sunny Essex and it's a very Essex thing to you know I don't drink around my kids I'll have a few drinks 
but I don't get drunk around my kids. Yeah. And it's not that awareness that it's not just the drinking around the kids. It is, as you said, it's when you're hungover the next day. It's yeah. the, the variation in the care you're giving them, in the attention you're giving yeah. them. Yeah, so your tiredness. And your tiredness, your bags under your... All this kind of thing, even as simple as it may seem, if you've been boozing the night before, you're going to be... Bit drunk. Smellier, a bit drunk, yeah. a bit, you know, you're not going to be this amazing that father figure. Yeah. You're going to be this slowed down, weaker version and, of yourself. Yeah, yeah, shuddery and damaged yeah. a little bit and kind of, you know, fragile. And kids and also, are so aware and susceptible to all oh, that. Yeah. They're so then you seek, aware. you seek out barbecues, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. seek out dues. Yeah. You know, and you yeah. can tell the other parents too that seek out like uh, birthday parties where there's going to be someone else on the wine. Yeah. And you, a few drinks. And yeah, and you find each other, don't you? And then you find any situation where you can do everything and have a drink. Yeah. And then yeah. and then when you pull back and you're sober, you think, oh, actually, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's uh, none of those times are very good for yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So, so how was it when you got sober? You, you, you said the first year was kind of that was shit. horrible. You didn't yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, because I uh, realized that, you know, I had – I was – so my uh, character was kind of frozen at 17. It's like rebuilding everything right, yeah. again. Yeah. You know, emotionally not very uh, intelligent or just, just loads of like, and also looking at yourself and go, God, what is it that you do? What do you have? Like, what are your interests even? Yeah. That was a big one. Yeah. That's a mad one. Right? I, like all these things I thought I was interested in. I wasn't that interested in it. It turns out. It's just, it's just they were places where alcohol yeah. was. You yeah. Know? So just discovering like, Oh, I guess I better get into something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like history, I think. Do I still like that? Yep, yep. And uh, I started following the NFL again because the last time I was sober, like I was 15 or so, I was into the NFL. Wow. So that felt nice and safe. Yeah. So that, yeah, that first year was a bit bad. It's fascinating because there is, yeah, there's the, there's a big chunk of extra time to, 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 to fill there. And if you don't fill it there, the times it's going to be hardest yeah, long to not days. go back to it, to create. Yeah, cause, exactly. Because again, you're... You forget about it's it's both as we were just saying you've you're writing off the evening to drink and you're writing off a chunk of the morning yeah yeah to, to recovering from it anyway so those days are actually a small w- w- window that you were previously having to fill with yeah d- s- s- sober entertainment yeah life. and now you've got this whole yeah between period. yeah between about two and six yeah was all that you had to that's the yeah, and the I, living part. And I remember coming off of, um, yeah, the first year was just for me. If I had maybe better, had I done proper therapy or something, yeah. or maybe something like that, a proper way about it. You know, I put on loads of weight, eating loads of ice cream because I was yeah. craving sugar in the middle yeah. of the night. Yeah. So, and I, because uh, I guess a part of me thought I'd be like within a month, I'd be just 100%. So it just was slower for me. Yeah. Uh, uh, building things up. Um, can't remember what I was going to say, but it was well, do profound. Do you think that's b- because you decided to do it just for yourself, or without any help, well, I, without I anything else, just go, right, help, I'm done though. now. All yeah, right. Yeah, because my wife, I was in Edinburgh, my wife and the twins, they just said, you know, that was it. She yeah. took twins away because it was it was starting to incre- uh, wow. encroach too much. They went back to London and I was left in this flat in Edinburgh and uh, with my new dog. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> You know, and that was really, really dark, dark, dark. Yeah. Just me and a mattress and a big black German shepherd who kept kind of going, dude, dude, you know, 
keep with it. Come on, buddy. The black dog as well. Yeah. The, the ironic symbolism yeah. there. Of, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That's yeah. exactly what I thought every yeah. day. There you are. Yeah. And I remember, like, my gig was on at one in the afternoon at the stand, and, and I remember just getting enough vodka in me and enough gag mm. to get enough confidence to get to the venue. And then when I was on stage for that hour, it was like blessed relief. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, some people have seen that show go, oh, my God, that was great. But then other people are going, oh, no, it's too raw for me. Yeah. Because it was like, I remember a, a snapshot of the audience where they would watch with their heads sort of tilted yeah. to the side. So yeah. they were laughing but concerned. Anyway. Um, I remember that. I remember then ex- I went. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry. I remember ahead. experiencing that with with the Doug Stanhope, who's a wonderful one, but he's, you know, he wears his troubles on his sleeve. But I remember seeing him on the tour just after his mum had passed away. And it, it walked that painfully fine line between this is amazing and genius and a work of art and are we are watching an accident here like, yeah. are we roadside going oh look at this happening yeah. you know he, he pulled gonna, it off and he was we amazing say we were there when <laughs> yeah exactly it, yeah. It, it, it felt like that and he's he's he's, he's one of my favorite comedians and his crafting is is amazing so he got through it and it worked but it was that and i can imagine a similar thing if people are yeah. watching some going this is genius and others going this is too close yeah, yeah. to the edge. Where... And I didn't want to be that genius guy that was... But um, I was very lucky because my mother-in-law, who lives up in the Midlands, took me in. Yeah. And I went to the hospital, local hospital, yeah. every day on right. this sort of like, uh, you know, very basic recovery program. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, free and all that. So I was very lucky to be yeah. in Britain. Yeah. To have family that would, you know, because ultimately the, I should have been homeless. But... Yeah. Um, and this is what, you know, I've the only, you know, to be so thankful for just having people who gave a shit. Yeah. And that's, that's awesome. And then that took, you know, gave, that gave me, bought me six months uh, time to, you know, slowly rebuild. Yeah. And become bionic. But then, and then now I get to these phases where I can't, like the thought of drinking or doing anything like that now repulses me because yeah. I'm so bitter at myself and it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. I actually am quite snooty towards that version of yeah. myself. Yeah. Like, oh God, I wouldn't have, like I'm, I'm turned in a bit of a wanker towards myself. Right, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, the oh, idea I hate of that it is guy. just such like, a nightmare. oh my God, what a waste. Yeah. What a bloody waste. You yeah. Know? I mean, I don't have time for that. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Because I, I just skip along now. You know, you have your same downtime, but everything's different and and everything's kind of interesting now. Because so in a way, you know, I'm glad I was a bit of a moron for so long because yeah. like everything is so exciting. It's a really powerful statement there that was 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 kind of a bit a throwaway, and I don't mean to to focus on it too much, but it is a power. It must have been a real powerful thing to realize that in that situation, if you didn't have friends and family mm-hmm. and weren't in the UK that you could genuinely have been towards homelessness because well, that's that's, right. that's a mind-blowing thing to think because we we see homeless people and we dehumanize them completely we can't relate or connect but you're someone who's in the public eye and has known and p- p- people who didn't know the struggles you were going through would think his life's amazing he's, mm. he's, he's, he's living the dream I know of that 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 famous comedian and you could literally, you know, a couple more steps and you could have been oh, easy. homeless. Yeah, because, uh, you know, run, run, yeah, yeah, run out of money and, you know, 
and then you know the think of your family all of that like yeah. that's the, the the bit you just the guilt you know yeah and it makes you yeah no easily easily just that crazy, like that isn't it? yeah but i had people around me and then i you know i had my my uh family in canada uh sort of you know, help my mother-in-law yeah. to help me. Yeah. And, or, or mainly to help my little family. Yeah. 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 Some frick, you know, spoiled, like, yeah, uh, yeah. you can't buy that kind of, uh, no. so, so lucky as a, as anything. Or to have come so close to the edge in that way and to yeah. have seen what potentially could have been <laughs> losing your family, losing all of this oh, yeah. to have people, pull you back and help you and look after them and look after you. And then, yeah, that's got to be the, the, the biggest motivation possible, right? Quite a, quite a funny thing to realise, though, is because you, you get sober and you think, God, I must have been so horrific and all that. But actually, sometimes you come to these realisations, you go, God, I'm, I'm actually still a bit of a prick. <laughs> so there's so much more work you got to keep going. Yeah. God, I can be an asshole sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> to look and go, oh, that bit wasn't the booze. That was just <laughs> yeah, yeah. me. I'm just a, Shit. I'm just a dickhead. <laughs> Yeah, I've had that with loads of stuff. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I've never had a addiction, but I've tried a lot of different drugs over the years, and now I choose to, to, to not do any. And part of that is feeling like I got off lightly. I've got mm. a, a lot of my mates who I did dead acid with or pills with or whatever else had bad experiences, and I never did. And I'm kind of that one to look and go, shit this is the time to walk away oh, b- yeah. before it ruins me b- b- before it, it pulls me apart but it's exactly that i had to come genuinely and i joke about it with my friends and my girlfriend and my family and everyone all the time i had to come to terms with the fact that i'm really boring i'm quite a boring person i'm not really into big f- fun events oh. and gatherings things like I, I like to watch my films and yeah, do my yeah. stuff it's like but that was a thing to come to terms yeah. with at first you go oh actually on a night out if i'm not hammered or on some kind of drugs i'm going to be quite quiet in the corner and keeping yeah, myself well, to myself you with know? me it was like rediscovering the things why I, you know going way back to the drinking in the first mm. place is like oh yeah i find it hard to make eye contact with people yeah. in conversation <laughs> and I, I actually you know don't like going out ever and i don't yeah. like you know like, and the only thing that stopped me from you know hanging out with people a lot was uh you know not wanting them to be with me for longer than a half an hour yeah because then i thought well i'll just end up saying you know i uh, remembering oh i do have that thing where i blurt out stuff that's inappropriate yeah yeah and if, <laughs> i do got some sort of a tourette's going on yeah and uh yeah 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 discovering all that again and going oh yeah there was a reason why yeah and then instead of just going well that's okay yeah that's okay you get in your car and talk to yourself all the way home. Yeah. And that's fine. Again, it's realising exactly that, that it's fine. It's completely yeah. acceptable. I've, I've had and to... kids like a person like that. Yeah, completely. jibber-jabbers on their own. Yeah, that's the they entertainment. Think, they think uh, dad's eccentric. So thank goodness for those guys and th- their people. Yeah, yeah. The, the children community. They're just yeah. good people. <laughs> yeah, they're good. So so what's ahead? I mean, as we record this, you're doing your shows at the Underbelly. I think when this comes out, it'll be fringe time. So oh, I've done, yeah, I've done Underbelly now. You've done Underbelly now, yeah. Yeah, and I, I did, a, a, instead of doing the old tour show, I did a brand new, I, I, I've i been doing my brand new show, yeah, and that'll be at the at Edinburgh Fringe all August. Yeah. At 3 p.m. in the afternoon. That's, That's good. That's what I like it. Yeah, stay away from anybody drinking. Yeah. And- well... Hopefully, most yeah. people that like me, ironically, are pretty sober, nerdy, yeah. kind of 
curious people. How is how does that kind of feel kind of returning to the scene of the crime as such? Because Edinburgh well, is where it all fell apart, yeah. essentially, which is... But importantly, that's that's what saved you. If it hadn't fallen apart, you may have just coasted along in a yeah. bad place for a long time. Well, the first year back yeah. uh, was hard yeah. in Edinburgh. That was rubbish. Yeah. And then, uh, then the next year, which is last year, yeah. Edinburgh was pretty good, actually. Yeah. And uh, it was really good. Yeah. And the the gigs got laughs the whole show. Yeah. And everyone came out the other end. And the, the, the shows were... Uh, uh, they were a little bit too out there. Like I, I, I did a 45-minute story. I wanted to be more storytelling, but I ended up telling a long story about my 1970s career as a trampolinist, and I created this whole world. Of, <laughs> yeah. So, but And all of it was done in an Alabama accent. Yeah. So not the best way to relaunch yourself in the, <laughs> the media world. But but the fans liked it's it. It's totally relatable. Yeah, and it was it was consolidated. You know? yeah. And now, now this one is... Uh, yeah, so it's just been uh, a build, and now now I'm really uh, excited because I can now call myself an artist again. Like you yeah. know, like I can feel that was the big switch. I think is to go. Yeah, you're not just a turn. I mean, yeah. you are. You're a turn, yeah. and you're going to do some laughs like yeah, a clown, yeah, of course. But if you tell yourself you're also an artist, then that that can give you more confidence to be even a better turn. Yeah. <laughs> can the fringe make you? put the spotlight on yourself more and analyse you, uh, yourself. I'd imagine l- last year's doing a 45-minute f- story in an Alabama accent about this, but doing it every day has to make you go, right, where's where's the art in this and what is the beauty in this and which bits are escapism and which bits are a safety blanket yeah, of not that, being myself yet. I'm not ready to be myself here again yet. Yeah, I'll be someone else. That's exactly it. Is yeah. That, yeah, I look back on that after. In During the time, I was just telling myself how impressive I was. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Myself going, oh, man, you're just riffing this. And yeah. Yeah, then looking back, just going, oh, yeah, not ready to be yourself. To be me here, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and, uh, and, uh, and also trying to build up your confidence by going, yeah, see, I can still paint like this. Yeah. I could paint like that, yeah. but I choose to paint like this. Yeah. That's kind of what that was. Completely. And now I want to do some painting that's just more accessible, but has a bit of that. So, so what is the new sh- show? Yeah, is it's it looking called, at- It's called The Lost Show. Yeah. And uh, I think it's more, it's about lost time and everything obviously you know yeah. it's about it's about in my head it's about all the lost shows yeah that could have been really good yeah yeah and, yeah and life the life show and it opens with the two lanterns on their own in the dark and one of them's uh you know remember marshall mcclure McLuhan, uh the canadian philosopher guy yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. the medium is the message right that's yeah, what yeah, that yeah, one yeah, kept yeah. saying and then the other one is trying to work out what that means. What, right. do, are you saying that uh, Tony shows get and it sort of explains what the show's going to be like, but but by a seventeen-year-old lamp. Yeah. Is that what you? And but all he can say is the medium is the message. And then later on, and one of the themes that goes throughout it is uh, when I was came over here, I never did learn to play any instruments, and I never did join a band, and that was yeah. the original that was the original remit. Yeah. And the reason was was fear. I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. And if I did learn how to play the guitar, I'd play it badly. And so this fear, and I pushed it away and never even touched it. And I thought, so I'm going to purposely now, uh, each show, teach myself how to play the guitar, but without Amazing. any lessons and without... 
and I, and I don't even call it a guitar to get past the fear. I, yeah. I haven't even got a name for it. Yeah. And they're, they're called wires, not yeah. strings. And I, so everything has a different name. And then I slowly, because I got it on an open tuning, yeah. I, I, I slowly throughout the show keep picking it up and can play a little bit more. Yeah. And then at the end, I have this, uh, this really earnest rock song that is the song is it's not about what the lamps because the lamps chat throughout yeah uh it's not about what the lamps are saying yeah it's about the lamps right so that, that's the McLuhan yeah, idea yeah, that yeah, yeah. it's about the light coming yeah. on and so then the song is uh is called it's about the lamp yeah it's about the lamp and so i did this song and then i got my talented musician friends yeah. To then put a whole bunch of layers on it. Amazing. And and uh, do help me with my. Uh, I, I, that's one of the uh, benefits of uh, when I had that window back in 2014 or 13. Right. Yeah, yeah. Was doing gigs for the Teenage Cancer Trust. So I met some right. really talented, nice people. Yeah. Who really like me yeah, and didn't yeah, yeah. necessarily see my fall. Yeah. But still like me from there. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so that's great. And then I can say, so like my, my childhood here was Roger Daltrey growing yeah, up of course. Or, or the yeah. who. and, um, and so I became friends with his son-in-law yep. and, and, uh, so he helps me with my songs. Oh, now. wow. But um, one of the things that meant the world was he said, yeah, I told, cause I'd done one of the gigs there and Roger thought it went really well. Yeah. And I'm friends with his son-in-law. Uh, he, uh, Des told him, I said, you know, Tony Law's got sober now. And he said, oh, that's brilliant. Tell him well done, or something like that. Yeah. And when he told me that, it was like, oh wow, that's like it's some amazing, sort of right? full circle coming on. Like, yeah, if completely. I could say that to my fifteen-year-old self, I could have avoided a whole bunch. Yeah. Of... Yeah. <laughs> so that was awesome. So anyway, he's the one who's helping me with the song. I love that. So there's a real kind of lovely connection. Yeah. All of it feels like it's it's <laughs> a show that could only happen now, and that sounds obvious because that's every show. But it, I mean, it feels like everything there. It's come. Full circle. It starts with your arrival in the UK, largely because you lost your license to drunk driving. Yes, um, yeah, and yeah. then it, Let's it, not forget it, it that. culminates now with sober and Roger Daltrey and his son, and all of this all coming together. It's yeah, a, yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful one. It's all, it's all comes lovely, together in a journey. Yeah, and then also if 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 you don't see any of that, yeah, also running along it is just some really silly comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's never any there's never even a moment of actual earnestness. Yeah, yeah. So it's all done with just uh uh high state my character's low status but pretends to be high status. Yeah, yeah. That kind of guy. He just kinda of acts like he knows all the answers. Yeah. And his vulnerability is he doesn't see it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's and there's so there's just good observations and I love jokes. it. Yeah. Well that sounds great. Well thank you for coming along oh, and giving me an so hour of your time. For- it's flown by as ever. Uh Oh, where can people keep up to date on everything? Are oh, you yeah. on Twitter and yeah, Twitter's the main one, I yep. guess. And then I got there's a website, but I don't know how to do it. But yeah. they put my dates up on there. Yeah, Tony, Mr. Tony Law. I think no Not one, Tony Law Tools. That's the other one. No one knows about Websites, websites anymore. It's no. just again, it's so weird. I've got mine, and I forget that there's yeah. stuff on there, and it's it's handy, and yeah. it all keeps up to date. But Instagram? I swear, it's just I'll tweet and Instagram stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Not Facebook so much, but Twitter for sure. Yeah. And then, um, and that's just, basically, it's just about like uh, going straight to the show now. It's like, yeah. I'll see you there, guys. Yeah. 3 p.m. at the Monkey Barrel in Edinburgh every day. Perfect. Let's meet up. So, Let's do it. Well, thank you very much. Thanks it's so been much an for having me. Pleasure. And thanks for coming out to Essex. Pleasure.
Perfect. Thanks a lot, man. You've been listening to Squibbish Pits Distraction Pieces. There we go. That was Tony Law on the Distraction Pieces podcast. And I thought he was absolutely amazing. So honest and open. The bit I mentioned in the intro that really struck me was how close he came to being homeless. And I think this was such an important thing to talk about and address because we do kind of see homeless people and that we just see them as homeless people. And we often don't take a moment to think of the journey they, they that's led them there, or how close anyone could be from being that person, from hitting that low, and to think of someone who I know off the TV and that, and was genuinely, no exaggeration, close to being in that situation. It's absolutely heartbreaking. So, um, yeah, beautiful openness and humbleness. And, yeah, I really I was delighted to talk to Tony. I'll be back next week. Of course, um, I think I'm going to go, yeah, so next week it's going to be Professor Green. And I kept hyping the Chili Gonzalez episode as the best episode I've ever done. And then before the Chili one came out, I recorded the press, uh, Professor Green one. And it it's it's a push for it. It's a push for best show I've ever done. It, we talk about, obviously, r- r- rap and, and hip-hop and the music industry, but depression, um, suicide, dangerous dogs... Just, I mean, that sounds like a weird combination of things, but it's it's a special one. And then after that, I'll be putting out the example episode, and then we've got a special wrestling episode, and there's tons of good stuff to come. So, yeah, keep tuning in. I'm also hoping to line up some apps. I've got a couple of guests that if they come through, they're going to blow your mind. So, yeah, excited about that. I will talk to you soon. Um, check out the other podcasts on the network, particularly the, the new ones. Films will be buried with, with Brett Goldstein, and off the beaten track with Stu Whiffin. Um, they're great. But also, obviously, still hardcore listing. I, I genuinely, I listen to that every week with great glee and excitement. It's a highlight of my week. Tuesday Night Jaws on a brief break, but that'll be back in a, a matter of weeks. Obviously, the, the Stop and Search podcast is every month, and Say Why to Drugs is there as a um, a catalogue of, of education, um, and we'll do some more at some point. But yeah, check them all out. Other than that, I will see you next week. Ta-ta.